to say good morning to you and welcome in the Savior's name. We come to worship the Lord as we sing together the hymn 90. This is a great hymn. It reminds us of the unchanging Christ that we come to worship. Oh, how sweet the glorious message. Simple faith may claim yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. Stand to sing.
be seated. It's a hymn that reminds us that we worship today a Christ who is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's able to meet you at the point of your need. This hymn has expressed so many individuals that can come to him, this unchanging Christ, the sinful, the sick, the sorrowing, the suffering. And there's a place for you at the feet of the Savior. Our psalm for today is the Psalm 136. We're going to read some of these verses just before we come to the Lord in prayer. This is the, the psalm that repeats every verse. His mercy endureth forever. And there's not one vain repetition here. It's something that we want to declare Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. 
the sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever, the moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. Verse 23, who remembered us in our lowest state, for his mercy endureth forever, and hath redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever, who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. O give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. Henry Smith, one of our Bible commentators, said on this subject, his mercy, many sweet things are in the word of God, but the name of mercy is the sweetest word in all the scriptures, which made David harp upon it 26 times in this psalm. And Thomas Scott, he said, by mercy, we understand the Lord's disposition to compassionate and relieve those whom sin has rendered miserable and base, his readiness to forgive and to be reconciled to the most provoking of transgressors and to bestow all blessings upon them together with all the provision which he hath made for the honor of his name and the redemption of sinners by Jesus Christ. I want to keep that in mind as we come to the Lord today, as we think of those that need the special touch of the Lord in their life. We, we remember our sister Pauline Clinton, who had surgery yesterday and came through it well and hopes to get out of hospital today. We think of Jose Bernabeo. We've been keeping the church up to date with his condition and remembering him before the Lord. We continue to pray for our treasurer, Ivor Buick, in his need that the Lord will continue to make him uh, come to that place of good recovery. And we think of our sister, Jean McCauley, still in hospital and recovering from surgery also. And it's good to see Ada. I think I saw Ada coming in there being carried, maybe not able to walk or run just at the moment, but uh, good to see her at the house of God today. We're going to bow together in prayer and seek the Lord, seek his face. Our Father, our confidence as we come today is that we're coming to the unchanging Christ, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're glad that we come before one who, who never changes. I am the Lord, he said. I change not. We change. Our circumstances change. There's so much about us as we live on this earth that changes, but our God is still the same. He's eternal and he's unchangeable and he's infinite in, in his being. He's infinite in his attributes. He's infinite in the great works that he has done. We come and worship this day before Almighty God, praying for a conscious sense of his presence, knowing that as we meet here, he meets with us as we draw near to him, he draws nigh to us. As we desire fellowship with him, O oh Lord teaches that he desires fellowship with us. He came and he walked in the cool of the garden with our first parents, with Adam, in the beginning of days. And Adam enjoyed that sweet 
communion with the Almighty. And then the fall came and there was that separation and no longer did he enjoy that communion, but it was restored. We're thankful for that and restored through the one who came to bridge the gulf, even Christ, our mediator and savior. And thus we now still enjoy or can enjoy sweet fellowship with God, especially when we come to a worship service like this. Your eye is upon us today. You're present with us everywhere you are present. There are congregations like this meeting throughout the world, here in Northern Ireland, the United Kingdom, right across Europe into Eastern Europe, even into the land of Ukraine, very much in our thoughts in these days. And in the infiniteness of your presence, you are there with power and glory and ready and able to bless your people worldwide. We thank thee for the infiniteness of God today. And Lord, we pray that you will bless this congregation. Bless those that are part of us on the internet today. Lord, just be with them and encourage them in the Lord also. Remember very especially the sick, the ones that are laid aside cannot be here. Pray for our sister Pauline and we think of Ivor, we think of Jean, think of others too, perhaps unwell. Lord, we commit them to your grace. Remember Hase, you know the news that he's received this week and the treatment that needs to follow. We pray that the good hand of the Lord will be upon him to bless and to cheer in the midst of, of trial and darkness. We pray that thou will lift him in spirit and may he be conscious of this infinite, eternal and unchangeable God by his side every moment of every day. Be with his wife and his family and his congregation. We commit them in love to thee. We do pray that you will abide with us now and Lord, show thyself today. Speak to our hearts. Remember the royal family. We think of the funeral tomorrow and Lord, these days have been days of mourning for the nation. And we are praying that in the midst of it all, God will speak. He will have lessons to teach us. He will waken his church. He will send revival. He will remember, remind the unsaved that, that they too must die. Those from the royal house must die. Those from a rich background must die. Those that have everything of material things in this life must die. All men must die right down to the ordinary people like ourselves. So may we be taught of God in these days. And may the royal family be comforted and helped, and the nation too. Lord, hear our prayer. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Warm word of welcome uh, to you in the house of God today, to the congregation, to our own people, to our Ukrainian folks that have become our own people in these months, uh, to Donald and his wife who are worshipping with us. Uh, I looked down to see Donald, and then I saw him coming down the aisle. Uh, good to see you, brother. We want to make some announcements. Tonight is our gospel service at 7. The Hebron Choir, due to sing at the mission, will be singing here tonight. Looking forward to that. And we want to speak on a message that is suitable with what's happened with the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. And so I want to, to speak on a fitting message when a good sovereign dies. You pray for that meeting. And if you can get to the 6.30 prayer meeting, we would love to have your presence there as we seek God together and pray that God will speak. 
Wednesday is our monthly committee meeting at 8 o'clock. Thursday is the midweek at 8 o'clock for Bible study, prayer, and fellowship. Friday, the youth fellowship are recommencing. Uh, They weren't to recommence until after the mission, but we have some weeks now. We want to get the fellowship back. want to encourage young people. If you've started secondary school, you're part of that uh, fellowship on a Friday night. We want you to be there. Our youth leader and his assistants want you to be there. And uh, everything's being translated. We want the young people from Ukraine who are secondary school and upwards to be there also. Next Lord's Day, the early season of prayer is at 8 o'clock. We had a wonderful time of prayer this morning. I believe the Lord was there. We not only had good attendance numerically, but there was a good spirit of prayer as we sought the Lord. The Sunday school next week, 10.30. Bible class, 10.45. Phil continues with the 23rd Psalm. Worship service, 12 noon. And then next Sunday night, uh, the valedictory service at 7. Now that David is home, uh, we're able to have this, and our students will have the opportunity just to speak for a few minutes and bring greetings and ask for prayer requests as they go back to college. The Montgomery Singers, they were also to be at the final day of the mission. They will be here to sing. And I'll be bringing a word uh, from the Lord. Can I say to you that Saturday the 1st of October is the new date for the church barbecue and the back to Sunday school fun night or afternoon. And that will be from 3 o'clock until 7. The young people uh, will have their activities in Macrofelt as they normally have once a year when all the youth fellowships get back together. But we'll make mention of that later on. On the next day, the evening time, it's a sending forth service for Noreen. It's been good to have Noreen visiting Northern Ireland, visiting with us, being part of our services so often. And this is the night when we send her forth again back to Uganda to do the work of God. Thank you for your tithes and offerings today as Missionary Council and School Covenant. And then next Lord's Day, the Home Mission Outreach Envelopes. These are the sick ones. There are a number that are added to that. We want you to pray for them, please. It was lovely to hear that there was 100 children at Sunday school today. Should be a Y on the end of that. Uh, toda, I think, is a, I think that's a word in Spanish, isn't it? For all you Spanish people, you can keep me right. Anyhow, lovely to see the kids there. Lovely to see our Ukrainian children back again at Sunday school. Um, we just took this quick photograph off them as they were there's one particularly getting very settled in the class there, as you can see. But uh, we're thankful to Karen for the work that she's doing. And uh, Tanya will also be helping out in the Sunday school, being able to speak their language. Hebron, 16 years ago, on the 16th of this month, uh, we opened our new church building to the glory of God. And we're thankful for these years that the Lord has been with us. Thinking about Ukraine, we we mentioned Pastor Florin from Romania. He went on Tuesday with his team uh, to the land of Ukraine. This is just some of the the work that was done in the background, getting ready to to bring this to needy people. Uh, This is what he wrote wrote to me this week. We crossed the border at Seret, north of Romania, and we unloaded the aid in 
Carnati, or how do you pronounce that? We'll, we'll get the pronunciation later, but uh, there is a refugee center uh, that we work with. Since the war started, they have hosted a few thousands refugees and have provided packs of food of 25 pounds per family for 250 to 500 families per day. The volunteers from the center go every week to a different part of the war zone providing aid. And you'll be familiar with Odessa and Mariupol and the Donbass region, of course. And I'm not sure how that other name is pronounced and then Kiev and other places. So you pray for them. Ministries that are continued to be supported by Faith in Action as well. And uh, we're thankful for the work that they're doing. We got this in the group this, this past week from our brother Donald. Keeping with Ukraine, uh, there's a young lady here. It's a very significant day for her yesterday. And she became 18. All right, I, I, I just took that picture off what I saw on Facebook. But uh, Anastasia, we congratulate you. We, we only mention significant birthdays. And when somebody becomes officially an adult, you're able to vote. Uh, you're 18 now. With that comes great responsibility. And we wish you well. Congratulations on your 18th birthday yesterday. And her brother had a birthday yesterday too, but he's not 18 yet. Now, I am going to ask our brother, uh, Mr. Donald Fleming, uh, to come to the pulpit and also Pastor Valentine. They would like to address the congregation. They would like to uh, say a word of thanks to the church. So we're going to loose you and let you go. And the interpreter, our interrupter, Anna, thank you very much. Greetings to you, dear church. We would love to say a big thank you to you all for the care and love you've shown to us all. We've been here for almost six months and we feel your love and your care every single day in all questions. И я думаю, знаете, просто когда я думаю о тех людях, которые приехали просто, ну, как бы сюда, я имею в виду, как беженцы. Refugees, и думаю о нашей группе, которая приехала сюда. Church, то действительно Бог позаботился очень сильно через вашу церковь и через миссию веру в действии. God has shown his love through you and through the care that you've shown to us. Even if you take such details as paperwork, school, work, jobs, housing, we would never have been able to do all those things by ourselves. И это было все вами оказано, вашей церковью. 
и многими людьми. И мы действительно сердечно благодарим вас. Пусть Бог благословит вашу церковь, ваше служение, ваши нужды, и да прославится во всем этом Господь. Поскольку я шотландец, Анна для меня тоже переведет. Братья и сестры, большое вам спасибо, прежде всего, господину Парку и его жене. Спасибо сессии. И спасибо вам, членам церкви Хеброн. От имени своего имени, от имени Жаклин и от всех членов веры в действия. Мы хотим сказать вам спасибо за все, что вы сделали. Меня останавливают каждый день и спрашивают, как ваши друзья поживают. Мне звонят люди, мне звонят другие церкви, другие миссии. И спрашивают, как сейчас они себя чувствуют. У нас у нас есть тоже украинцы здесь, но мы не можем найти им работу. Мы не можем оформить детей в школы. Мы не можем найти им машины или получить права. Как вы со всем этим справились? И мы здесь сегодня стоим и благодарим каждого из вас за помощь. Шесть месяцев назад, когда я сюда приехал и говорил вам со своим докладом о людях и о нуждах, мы никогда не подозревали, что помощь будет в таких больших размерах. И когда сейчас я сижу и думаю, и смотрю назад, что случилось, и я знаю, что Господь подготовил ваших членов вашей церкви, чтобы они нам помогли. У вас было подготовлено сердце, у вас было желание служить Богу. И все другие церкви просто поражены той помощью, которую вы смогли предоставить. Мужчины все работают. Женщины работают. Дети все в школах. Они переезжают в дома. Также церковь возобновляет работу. У людей сейчас есть машины. Uh, так много благословений от Господа для каждой семьи. So, brothers and sisters, from Jacqueline and I and our, our mission, we just want to say thank you, a sincere word of thank you to every one of you here today. 
братья и сестры, от имени своего и от имени Жаклин, большое вам спасибо, огромное спасибо за все, что вы сделали. Спасибо Господу за то, что Он сделал все это возможным. Потому что если в этом нет Господа, ничего бы не сработало. То есть мы благословляем, мы произносим благодарствие Господу за все это. And faith in action missions, we would like to present a little gift for the fellowship. We would like to donate this to the fellowship on behalf of the way of salvation and faith in action missions, the Ten Commandments. <coughs> you did something very special, brothers and sisters. And it's been unmatched anywhere in Northern Ireland what you have done. So the little plaque at the bottom says, Donated by Faith in Action Missions and the Way of Salvation Church. To Hebron Free Presbyterian Church. An acknowledgement of your compassion and generous support for the people of Ukraine. Matthew 25:35. And it's the third part of that verse, for I was a stranger and you took me in. Brothers and sisters, may we never forget the Ten Commandments again. And, and thank you so much and God bless all of you. Thank you. It has been very much a team effort. Это была работа всей команды. And we think of all that faith in action has done. Мы думаем о том, как помогли нам из организации Дональда. And our local congregation here in Hebron. И наши люди здесь, которые в Хевроне. Want to thank the session committee for their support from day one. Я хочу поблагодарить нашу сессию и комитет за всю поддержку. And the church that fell in behind the project. There is a story to tell. But it would take too long to tell it today. Thank you, brother, on behalf of the church for this beautiful reminder of the law of God. Большое спасибо брату за вот это напоминание. Пожалуйста, сфотографируйте. The Ten Commandments. Десять заповедей. Reduced to two commandments by the Savior in the New Testament. И в Новом Завете всего две заповеди. The first one is to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Первая заповедь это любить Господа. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. The church here has been seeking to fulfill the second table of the law. Who is our neighbor? 
это наши соседи. Наши украинские братья и сестры это наши друзья и соседи последние шесть месяцев. Мы любим вас. And we're glad that you're settling in, despite all the difficulties and the background you come from. И мы счастливы, что вы сейчас начинаете привыкать к жизни здесь, несмотря на все на все трудности, которые у вас были. Thank you, Donald. Спасибо, Дональд. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Anna. Anna's done a great work with our friends, and we appreciate that also. going to sing a hymn now. It's for everybody. But just remember, God will take care of you. And we think of all that's going on in your country back at home. And you've got family there and friends. But God will take care of them also. And will stand to sing this lovely hymn. Be not dismayed, whate'er betide. God will take care of you. Rise to sing.
our study in the Gospel of Mark has been a little bit disjointed because of so many other things that needed to be preached on on these Lord's Day mornings, but I'm coming back, and I believe coming back at a good time to Mark chapter 8 and to the study because it's reminding us of what we've just been singing, that God will take care of you. Christ is a, a Christ of compassion. He's a Christ of great supply, as we shall see as we read and preach the Word today. Mark chapter 8. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves have ye? And they said, Seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled, and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about four thousand, and he sent them away. Ending our reading at verse 9. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for this service today. We give thanks for our brethren and sisters in Christ, for our brother Donald and his wife and faith in action and all that they've been doing these past six months or so. We thank you for helping these people settle in so many ways, those ways that have been mentioned already. And we do acknowledge that God has been in control and God has been superintending this all. And he is this God of great provision. He is a God of compassion and he has shown compassion to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Bless them, we pray. Bless our study now as we turn to your word and as we think of this very familiar uh, story in the scriptures, the feeding of the 4,000, we pray that you will enlighten us and instruct us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Seeing you now, David, we, we welcome Rachel back from Uganda uh, on Thursday night. It's good to have you and, and your family back safely uh, all together and, and looking good. You'll give us a report, I'm, I'm sure, on your visit. Returning to this message, it's message 61, as we continue now in the Gospel of Mark, and it is the feeding of the 4,000 that I want to draw your attention to. A very similar miracle is performed here. We think of the ones mentioned two chapters before, the feeding of the 5,000. So there's a hungry multitude. There's a compassionate Savior. There is a great miracle that has been wrought, and there's more than enough to spare after the miracle is over. This is a different miracle. There are some who say this is just a repeating 
of the, the miracle that we read about two chapters previously, but it couldn't be. Two chapters previously, it was 5,000 5, men, and some have said it could have been as many as 10,000 when you think of the, the women, the children. And here it is clearly marked out as 4,000, about 4,000. The first time the Lord used a little boy and the, the lunch that he had, and this time the Lord uses what the disciples had, and they had seven loaves, and they're willing at the start to part with them, and it seems as you read the narrative, they were holding back the fish because the bread is blessed and the bread is distributed, and then, and then there seems to appear with a little bit more now that they see that the Lord has brought this miracle of multiplying the bread about, he's able to do the same with the, the fish indeed. The miracle proclaims an unchanging truth. There's a needy multitude, and there is a compassionate Jesus, and we see that the whole way through. We observe the magnitude of the, the congregation here. The opening verse tells us that the multitude being very great, most of these people were curious and they were interested in the ministry of Christ. That's why they followed him. They wanted to hear what he had to say. All of them by this stage are hungry and they are needy and they need food. Most of them, I assume, were unconverted and possibly even after receiving the provision, they were ungrateful. You remember when the 5,000 were fed and the multitudes continued to follow Christ, he, he said, you only come because of the bread and because of the fish. Well, he knew that. He was still prepared to help them, but they were coming to be fed and they were likely unresponsive. In other words, what happens here didn't change their lives. It's a strange thing that all these miracles that are wrought by the Savior, although some lives were changed, many were not. You might say, as many do today, show me a miracle and I will believe. Well, miracles were seen in the Bible and most of them did not believe and it would be no different today. But I want to look at this miracle, the feeding of the 4,000, and I want to draw some lessons that I believe will be helpful for us. First of all, the situation that the Savior knew. In the opening verse, we read about this great multitude and they have nothing to eat, nothing to eat. As God on earth, the Lord Jesus Christ knew all things. There was nothing, absolutely nothing that was hidden from view as far as the Savior was concerned. He knew the hearts of all men. See this great multitude? He knew every heart. He knew their sin. He knew their disobedience. He knew their, their doubts, their fears, their criticisms, as he knows our hearts today. God looks down and he sees us inside out. The Lord also knew the thoughts of men. He knew exactly what they were thinking. He knows our thoughts afar off. Isn't that what the psalmist said in the Psalm 139? I would commend that psalm to you particularly, verses 2 through to 4. It reminds us that God knows all about us our down-sitting, our uprising, and it goes on to say he knows our thoughts afar off. He understood the burdens and the cares of men, their sicknesses, their worries, their poverty, their family problems, their sorrows, their tears, 
And it might be good at this moment to remember this, dear child of God, whatever it is that you're passing through, whatever valley you have entered into, whatever sorrow has crossed your path, whatever great burden might be weighing upon your soul at this moment in time, Jesus knows all about it, knows all about our struggles, and he will guide to the day is done. However, on this occasion, the need was so obvious, Jesus did not need to be God to see it and to understand it. It was obvious, you see. The disciples must have known. They've spent this period of time now, they've, they've traveled, they've listened to the Lord. Three days have passed by and the people are hungry. The disciples must have known it because they felt the hunger themselves, even though they seem to have, have this, little, little, this little stash of some loaves and fish. The crowd certainly were aware of the great need at this time. They, they felt the need in their own bodies, the need of hunger. Jesus knew that there was a great need before him because the multitude, it tells us, had nothing to eat. They had been with the Lord for three days. No doubt anyone who had brought food had run out of food by this stage. They had eaten it. They were in the wilderness. They are a great distance from home, some more than others. Some had traveled from afar, the Bible tells us. And yet they stayed there. They stayed there under the ministry of Christ. They did not depart despite their hunger. The feast for their souls, it seems, was more important than food for their bodies. It's just a pity that we don't feel like that sometimes, isn't it? I was just thinking about this when I was studying for this message, and I thought, you know, here's the, here's the worship service. Don't know whether you've ever felt like this. I'm hungry. And you begin to think about your food, and you begin to say, you know, the, the preacher's preaching a wee bit long today, and, you know, my, my stomach's empty, and I need to get home for my dinner. I'm sure you don't feel that way. I, the congregation here at Hebron is, a, is way up there when it comes to spiritual things. I know that you're desirous for the bread of life, but you know there are some, some other places, and that's how they feel. Or you think of the worship service or the, the gospel meeting at night, so many other things to attend to, uh, and you just maybe don't make it to the gospel meeting or the Thursday night prayer meeting. The, the application is very widespread, really. You see, we are so easily put off following Christ, getting to the Savior's feet for the bread of life. Hunger keeps some people away. Tiredness keeps others away. Friends and family call, and that becomes a distraction. And sadly for some, it's just a total disinterest. There's no real effort, no real sacrifice, no no doing without. I think I would like to be more like these people who stayed on. They stayed on track for three days despite their hunger, maybe even the coldness at night for temperatures do drop in Israel. Oh, to forget about food, to forget about the comforts of home, to forget about tiredness and the, the weariness of the body, just to be in the presence of Christ. I certainly see this as these people linger on. But they are hungry. I want you to see, secondly, the compassion that the Savior felt. This is a beautiful 
expression here, the opening part of verse 2, and I will read verses 2 and 3. I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint, by the way, for divers or various of them came from far. The word Jesus and the word compassion stand side by side in the Scriptures. That word compassion is mentioned 20 times in God's Word. 14 of these are in the New Testament. And 30, or 20 of these, sorry, 14 of these are in the Gospel narratives. And 13 are directly linked to Christ. The first time that the word is mentioned, and in my mind probably the best known, is is Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. This is often in my mind because we are a church that reaches out with the gospel. We believe in getting laborers for God's work at home and abroad. And this was a time when the Lord saw the multitudes around him And the scripture tells us here that he was moved. He was moved inwardly in the very depths of his being. He was moved with compassion. Christ felt for them. And of course, he saw them as sheep having no shepherds. And and therefore, he says to his people, you pray, you pray. That's how we get missionaries. That's how we get ministers. That's how we get full-time workers. We pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends forth laborers into the harvest. Oh, the compassion of Christ. I want you to see that. Matthew uses the word six times altogether. And five of these are with reference to the Savior. And the other one is by way of application, really teaching us you want to be like him. Let's mark them in our Bibles. I think it's good. We have mentioned the one here in Matthew 9, verse 36 chapter 14 and verse 14. Feel at liberty to follow these through with me. Turn the pages, and then your eye can see them as well. And if not, we'll listen to what the Word of God says. When Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude, he was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Chapter 15, verse 32, Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me three days. This is the parallel portion to what we're reading in Mark. Chapter 18 and verse 27. The Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Remember the man that had this this debt of 10,000 talents and he had nothing to pay and and the man was going to sell him and sell his wife and sell his children to get money. And he says, you have you have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And the man, he forgave him. And really this is a direct link with the forgiveness of God because of our offenses and our sins against him and our great debt that we owed him. And then you go on to read by way of application in verse 33 where Jesus says, Shouldest not thou also had compassion on thy fellow servant? You if I have forgiven, if I have showed mercy, well then you ought to do likewise. Then chapter 20 
and verse 34. Jesus had compassion on them. This is the two blind men sitting in the gate of Jericho. One of them we know was blind Bartimaeus. But we know that there were two from what we read here. And they both cried for mercy. And they both received mercy from the Lord. And he healed these blind men. Why? Because Jesus had compassion. The gospel writer Mark, or John Mark the missionary as he is, he uses the word five times and all with reference to Christ. I'm going to give them quickly. Chapter 1, verse 41. Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. That was the leper that was healed. Chapter 5 and verse 19 of Mark. Go home to thy friends. He's telling the demoniac of Gadara, the man that had been possessed with a legion and now delivered. Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. There's the word used again. We have it in chapter 6 and verse 34. Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep having no shepherd. And then in chapter 8 and verse 2, I have compassion on the multitude. This is our text. And then also in chapter 9 and verse 22. Oftentimes it cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, and the man is now appealing to Christ to show compassion, have compassion on us and help us. All these words linked into the compassionate Christ. Luke has three references. Luke chapter 7 and verse 13. When the Lord saw her, this is the widowed woman at the gate of Nain, whose only child, her son, was dead. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. Chapter 10 and verse 33. A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, had compassion on him. We'll come back to that reference. Chapter 15 is the final one. And verse 20. He arose, came to his father. When he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The story of the prodigal son. Oh, just my friend today, if you're here in this meeting and you are a prodigal son and you have wandered away from God, just in passing, let me say, you make your journey towards Christ and he will run and he will throw his arms around you. He will receive you and he will have compassion on you. Now, most of the other six references in the New Testament declare the compassion that ought to be felt by you and I as Christians. We see the all-compassionate heart of Christ going out to the multitudes with different needs. Salvation for some. Laborers need to be sent to preach to them. Sickness for others. Sorrow, like the widowed woman. Satanic possession, like the demoniac of Gadara, or this young boy that was possessed. And here, in our reading, in Mark chapter 8, it was hunger. 
No doubt the Lord attended to spiritual needs, but he also attended to physical needs. And these are sweet and blessed words. I have compassion. Now, whether the disciples cared much about these people or felt true compassion like the Savior is debatable. We know that in chapter 6, in the feeding of the 5,000, the response, the, the thoughts of the disciples were not so good. Send them away. That's an abysmal response. Send them away. Let them go. They, they, oh yes, they're needy, they're hungry. But let the multitude go into the, the villages and into the cities and to the country round about. Let them buy for themselves. Let them look after themselves. That's how they thought. But not so for Christ. The all-compassionate one. And I want to be like Christ. I don't want to be like the disciples who didn't care. In Charles Wesley's hymn, Love Divine or Love's Excelling, he has this beautiful description of Christ. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love thou art. Oh, we haven't time really just to, to talk about that, but you want to think about it. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love thou art. This is the most biblical picture of Christ expressed in song. Christ is love incarnate, flowing through the whole being of the Savior is this excellent attribute of love. And flowing from that love to mankind is the compassion of Christ. Can we say that that is love in action? Compassion is an active word. It's a, an attribute that is expressed and demonstrated when we are told that, that Jesus went about doing good, we see compassionate work. You can't say, I am compassionate, and there's no follow-up, there's no works to prove that. Compassion is an active attribute. And we are to be like the Lord. Perhaps nowhere is this brought out more clearly than in the parable of the Good Samaritan that I have mentioned already. The story, of course, is told in a background of love, in the light of love. Because in Luke chapter 10 and verse 27, we have this man answering the Lord when he, when he asked him about what he must do to have eternal life. And he was told about the commandments. And he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what's in the law? What does the Bible say? I'm to love God. I'm to love him with all my heart, etc. But I'm also to love my neighbor as myself. And of course, the Lord responded to him in the affirmative. You've said, that's right. That's what it is to love the Lord and to love your neighbor and keep the law of Almighty God. This story gave rise to the question, 
from this young man. Who is my neighbor? And the Lord answered in the words of this heart-searching story. You know the story, the story of the Good Samaritan and how the man fell among thieves and others passed by. But the Samaritan, he showed compassion. Indeed, this parable contains one of the compassion references when it says he had compassion on him while the others, the, the priest and the Levite, walked by on the other side. The good Samaritan stopped and he did something. He showed compassion towards this man in all his need. Preeminently, the good Samaritan is Christ. That's who is identified here. But the application is given by the Lord to his inquirer when he said to him, Go and do thou likewise. The good Samaritan showed compassion on his neighbor. He says, that There's the example. Here's the story. You go and do thou likewise. This compassion of Christ is to be found in us. And when we see others in need, that love that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. You're a child of God. That love is in you. If you have the Holy Spirit, that love is in you. It's shed abroad by the Holy Spirit. That love should begin to vibrate and cause thoughts of compassion that leads to deeds of action. And you want to consider the word compassion in other parts of the New Testament. We went through the Gospels. Let me give you just two. I'll read them to you. First Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, be you all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. And the other reference is in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. <clears throat> Whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother of need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him. The compassion of the Savior ought to be reflected in his people. <coughs> Very quickly, in verse 4, there is the question that the Savior faced. The disciples, they ask, or they answer, from whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? How is it possible to give these people anything to eat? <clears throat> now, you would expect these men to say, well, Lord, you did it before. You can do it again. We remember the, the 5,000 being fed and, and how at the end of that miracle there was more than enough to spare. Twelve baskets of fragments were gathered up afterwards. Yes, Lord, we have every confidence in you. What you did before, you can do again. But that's not what happened. There's a query here. There, there's a doubt. Where can anyone find food to feed all these people? In the wilderness. I'm sure the Lord hoped that they would remember what had happened. That they would remember his past faithfulness and provision and take history as a token of confidence in the Lord that he could work the miracle again. How often is the Lord disappointed with us, with our questions, with our unbelief, with our doubts, 
We have proved him so often in the past. Can't we trust him again? Can't we trust him now? I think that lesson is brought out here. There is the provision that the Savior bestowed. Verse 5 through to verse 7, as he works this miracle with the seven loaves and and blesses and and, uh, distributes and eventually the fish as well. Christ steps in. He asked the question, how many loaves have you got? Seven, of course, is, is the answer. And he, he asked them this time to give up their own food, which they did. These seven loaves and a few small fish. Nothing much really, when you think about it. But in, in the hand of Christ, it's mighty. Because little is much when God is in it. When his blessing is upon it. He can bring great blessing out of very little. He did it all these years ago, and 4,000 are fed. The supply of Christ is inexhaustible. He is able to supply our every need according to his riches and glory. He is able. A little phrase that ought to grip your heart. In our Father's house there is bread and despair. What is your need today? Oh dear, faithful Christian, he has promised to look after you. There'll be no lack, no lack to them that fear him. The Psalm 34 reminds us of that. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that fear the Lord shall not want any good thing. Is it food for your table? Is it a shelter over your head? Is it clothes to keep you warm? Is it strength for the battle? Is it courage to face opposition? Is it restoration of health? Is it grace to help in time of need? He can supply the manna in the wilderness. The barrel of meal and the cruise of oil will not fail in the time of famine. God prepares tables in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our heads with oil and his cup of provision runs over. You will be like the men and the women in the wilderness who were hungry, and you will eat, and you will be filled. Because this is a Savior of great provision. And it leads me to my final little thought, the satisfaction that the Savior brought. They did eat, verse 8, were filled. They took up the broken meat, and the meat that was left, seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away. The multitude ate, and they were completely satisfied and refreshed. And here again, there were leftovers, seven large baskets, as the word is. In the feeding of the 5,000, there were 12 baskets, but the word that is translated the same actually means hand baskets. They were a smaller basket. But this time, the word that is used is large baskets. And this shows not only the miraculous provision, but the abundant provision. At the end of the meal, they gathered up more, much more bread than they had to begin with. And this is what Christ is able to do. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. He goes beyond what we need or expect. Hasn't the Lord done for you much more? than expected.
our Ukrainian friends are here and Donald's here and maybe it is a little testimony to what has happened over the past five or six months. Hasn't the Lord done more than maybe we expected at the start? We said there's a story to tell and you will know in our conversation with Donald way back six months ago, it began with seven. That was the figure that was mentioned. And then the wee word, but there are 28. And the 28 grew to 33 and the 33 grew to 39. And then a little baby was born and then another lady arrived, 41 and all in the group that's here. And I think over these six months, the Lord has done exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think in his provision. And he's done the same for you and me, brethren and sisters, in so many ways. And so we just think of the feeding of the 4,000 and we see a needy people and we see a compassionate Christ. And when a needy people and a compassionate Christ comes together, there's great provision and God is able and whatever your need is today, he's able to supply that need. Trust him. Lean upon him. For he's a God of great supply. Amen and amen. We mentioned that hymn earlier, Love Divine, all loves excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus Thou art all compassion, pure and bounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation, enter every trembling heart. We're going to sing just that one verse. I quoted from it earlier. Let this be the thought you take home with you. Jesus, thou art all compassion, pure, unbounded love thou art. Just the first verse. rise to sing. After I pray, it might be fitting for me to bring this gift down to the door so that you can see it as you pass by and maybe to ask Donald and the pastor to come with me as well as representatives of the church and of the mission. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence today, just to linger 
for a very short time. It's not three days like, like the people in Mark chapter 8, but we've lingered for this little time. We've sat at your feet and we've learned from the Savior, the all-compassionate one. Help us to be like him. Forgive us, Lord, for our selfishness. Forgive us for our lack of, of interest in others. Forgive us for our lack of compassion when we ought to have shown compassion. Help us, Lord, not to pass the multitudes by without saying that there is a need. There's a spiritual need. There are hundreds and hundreds of people in this town that need Christ, that need salvation. Lord, may we see that and feel it and be moved with compassion. We pray that you'll bless the mission that is forthcoming and make it a time when we reach out with love in our heart to our neighbors. And Lord, in the other spheres of life, of physical things and material things that are needed, when we see the sick, when we see the sorrowing, when we see the suffering, Lord, help us to reach out with a heart of compassion just like the Savior. Dismiss us now with your blessing and take us to our homes in safety for Jesus' sake. Amen.